We all know how it ends, and it doesn't end happily. It's a funny story, this one, because we all know the outcome but not the plot. We are both all-seeing and blind, wise and ignorant. This is at the root of that melancholy we all share. The vague feeling that makes us weep on overcast days, that keeps us awake in the middle of the night, and unsettles us when we have to wait too long for a loved one to return. It's at the root of excessive human cruelty and unexpected human kindness. In a way, it's at the root of everything. Knowing the ending, but not how we get there. This game has strange rules. Rules no child would ever accept, because children don't want you to tell them how the story ends. They don't yet realize that knowing the ending is the only way to enjoy what comes before. There's a death car outside the house. Papa! The word echoed deep inside the cave of my memories. Papa! It was my voice. Papa, wake up! And then it was my kids' voices. Hato, come on, wake up! I was asleep. And when you sleep, you sink into a deep, dark well in which time is all time accumulated. You're both child and adult, a complete and timeless self, and I become the pure essence of Dani Mosca. To wake up is to take your allotted place on the calendar, to return to your assigned position, no more hugging ghosts and driving down the invisible motorway of your dreams. On my cheek, my son's kisses. Rio still kissed me despite his age. He was nine, and his kisses were those of all nine-year-olds. Soft, wet, long. Maya sat down on the mattress. I could feel her weight by my feet. She no longer kissed me all that often. Kisses had started to seem like kid stuff to her. And there's nothing a twelve-year-old girl loathes more than kid stuff. Why is it always this way? That when you're a child, you're in such a hurry to grow up. Last summer, I watched my children playing happily in the sand on the beach, and I thought, when do we stop making castles by the sea? When do we make that mistake? When do we accept that this is something meant only for kids? But maybe we never stop making sand castles by the sea. We just call it something else. Like how becoming a parent doesn't mean you stop being someone else's child. It must have been 7.30am when I climbed into bed, making it abundantly clear that this morning and I weren't meant for each other. And then, just moments after I'd shut my eyes, my children's voices came into my ears. Otto! Otto! When they are feeling affectionate, they call me Otto, which is the Japanese way of saying daddy. They sleep on the far side of the garden, in what is now Kay's house and theirs, and which was once ours, I ended up living in the studio, separated from them, on the other side of the overgrown patio like a lodger. That's the way you bohemian types do divorce, says Petru, the pure-blooded tattooed Romanian we call whenever we need a handyman. He'd installed a shower and a tiny kitchen in the studio and created a more intimate sleeping area, cut off from the rest of the equipment. The mixing desk, the computer, the keyboard, the guitars, the cables... This is where I live now. Bohemian is a word no one uses anymore, but it's a perfect way of describing a person who comes home after seven in the morning and goes to sleep in a music studio on a futon that's barely a foot off the floor. During the school holidays, Ludivina, who's every bit as Romanian as Petru, 
never let the children come over to my studio before I'd shown any sign of being awake. She never called me a bohemian. She made excuses for me. She knew that a single man is like a football no one kicks around anymore. Kay was away doing concerts, and she wouldn't be back until Tuesday. But what day was it today? That was the question. Definitely late July. Definitely the summer holidays, because when the children have school, Ludivina makes their breakfast first, then sends them in to wake me up. And in August, they'd be off to Japan with their mother to spend three weeks with their grandparents in Okinawa, on the beaches of Motobu. With the prospect of their absence not far off, I wanted to enjoy their company as much as possible. Yes, it was definitely late July. Ludivina has helped us with the kids for years. She shares her secrets with me and insists that one day Kay will forgive me for everything. And I'll be able to cross back over the garden and live in our home again. Nacho, who plays the sax and does most of the brass arrangements on our recordings, says that anyone who takes their kids to school in the morning is a fucking slave. But he's wrong. Children in the morning are like freshly watered plants. Kay dreads early rising and prefers it when I take them. She knows I get up at dawn, that I no longer sleep like I used to. I'm afraid of sleeping too much, too deep.